Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. This is the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G. from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. And this is the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. And coming up on this week's episode, one, we're going to talk about OU's offensive coordinator situation since OU does not have an OC right now. Who are some potential candidates? Uh, What am I looking for in an offensive coordinator versus what you may be looking for in an offensive coordinator? We'll take a look at the latest bowl projection for OU. We'll also discuss what this 10-2 season means for the Sooners, and we'll take a look at OU's schedule for 2024, so next year, and we'll see how they would have done had they played that schedule this year in 2023 How would OU have done against these particular teams? Because that's what this year was all about, was getting ready for the Southeastern Conference. But before we go any further, do me a favor. Either pause the podcast right here or after the show, uh, please give us a five-star rating and write a written review. That five-star rating obviously helps us elevate our content to as many people possible. And the written review is very important to us because it tells us what kind of content you want and what we can give you more of. And if you take a screenshot of both and send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, Pete will give you a Heartland College Sports koozie. So since OU's victory over TCU on Friday, Jeff Libby has left and taken the job at Mississippi State, which really didn't come as that big a shock. I think Friday we all kind of knew it was going to go down Jeff, to his credit, did exactly what he was supposed to do when the press conference was say that there essentially is a time and a place to talk about that. Brent Venables did exactly what he was supposed to do, saying that he roots for all his assistants to get ahead, and if they want to get a head coaching job, then he's very supportive. And, of course, I'm I'm paraphrasing on both those, but they did exactly what they're supposed to do. So when it was finally announced, in fact, the only surprise about this was that it took until Sunday night for it to become official. Most of us in the, um, in, well, I, I call it the press room. Essentially, it's the meeting room at, at, the, at the game, you know, the meeting room at the Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium that we all sit in for, for the press conferences, the, for, for the postgame press conferences. I think we all expected it to happen just hours after after things had wrapped up. We, we expected the announcement to, to break sometime before Saturday. And and the fact that it took a little bit longer might have been the most surprising thing about it. But congratulations to Jeff Levy. It's an interesting hire from a Mississippi State standpoint because Jeff's really only got a couple of years of running the room. When you think about when he was the offensive coordinator out of UCF, Josh Heupel was running that offense at Ole Miss. Obviously, Lane Kiffin is going to run that offense. So you've only really ran the room for two years, and now you're going to go run a college football program. And I wish him the absolute best, but I think it's a very interesting hire for Zach Selman. It's a huge hire for Zach Selman because he can't get this one wrong, and it's very obvious that he didn't want Zach Arnett. That's why you fire Zach Arnett after a few games into the season and then move on from him because it felt like you were stuck with him. Okay, I got this guy. I'm stuck with him. I don't really want him. When would be an opportune time to make the move? You wait till he loses enough in season one, and then you don't give him time to rebuild. Good luck to Zach Arnett. Good luck, obviously, to uh, to Jeff Lebby. So where does this all leave OU? Okay, 
Um, first of all, when you start looking at who the, the names are out there, and, and, and look, your names aren't going to be any, any different than mine. The information is going to be you know, right along the same. Every day, somebody, some new name is going to pop out. You're going to read it on message board. Everybody's going to have a suggestion. But the names right now, Seth Luttrell, who's on staff at OU as an analyst, former North Texas head coach, former OU, fo- former OU fullback. You've got Matt Wells, who's former Texas Tech head coach, who's also an analyst at OU. Cliff Kingsbury, somewhat intriguing, former offensive coordinator at USC and, of course, former head coach at Texas Tech and the Arizona Cardinals, then maybe the most most interesting one to me, okay, of all the names that are out there, all the tangible names that you're hearing, is uh, Brennan Marion, from uh, who played wide receiver at Tulsa and is the offensive coordinator at UNLV. But here's a guy that was or is at least being considered by Notre Dame, by Penn State, and Arkansas for their offensive coordinator positions. He's apparently a finalist for the San Diego State head coaching job, a finalist for the head coaching job at Houston, and uh, also getting some looks at Oregon State, I'm assuming for the head coaching job there, as well as UTEP. So So this guy obviously is the hot commodity right now. And what I will say about that is, be warned of the hot commodity. Don't try and win the press conference. And remember, at OU, if you're Brent Venables, you always win the press conference. Just go back to when Lincoln Riley hired Alex Grinch. There were people who were changing their social media avatars to the Grinch because they thought Alex Grinch was going to be the defensive coordinator who would come along, save OU, and help them win a national championship. So whether you're using Brennan, whether you hire Brennan Marion, whether you hire Seth Luttrell, Matt Wells, Cliff Kingsbury, or Lauren Montgomery from Bigsby High School, whoever whoever the hell you're going to hire, OU fans are going to think that you have done a great job of making this decision. Oh, you'll have some critics, but for the most part, they're going to believe that because it's OU that you hired the right guy for the job until until he proves otherwise, and when he proves otherwise then they're mad at him more than they are at you, depending on how your side of the ball is doing compared to their side. Have I I gotten anything wrong thus far? No, I haven't. None of these names really impress me all that much. Okay, none of these names knock me out and make me either on my radio show, social media, or this podcast say, oh, you've got to have this guy. Because none of these guys check a major box that I'm looking for, which is bringing a conventional element to the offense. And look, I know what OU's going to do. Okay, you know what OU's going to do. OU is going to hire a spread guy or a power spread guy. Some guy who's running the offense that everybody else is running right now that allows you to get good receivers. It also allows you to get quarterbacks straight out of high school and, and plug and play. Because most high schools right now were running the spread or some form of it. Uh, there are few that there there are a few that don't, but very few that don't because it's an easy offense for mo- for most players to learn and most players to adapt to. Because if a good a good high school coach simplifies things, he doesn't make things complex. You want things as simple as possible so guys don't have to think all that much. They can just go out and execute. And once you've been in that offense and learned that, 
it's easier to adapt in college, which is one of the reasons why players are so ready. Plus, you know, the advent of the seven-on-seven leagues, things like that. And I get it, and I know why OU's going to do it, but if I had my druthers, Brent Venables would go outside of the college ranks and go into the ranks of the NFL and hire a guy who's going to bring in elements of a conventional offense. Not just somebody who runs strictly the the spread, but somebody who runs a a little bit more conventional. Somebody who will teach the quarterback how to get up under center. Somebody who can be patient for when you are dominating up front and you are more physical than that other team and you are running the ball and and getting four, five, six yards at a pop, you don't necessarily need to look for the big play. You can be patient and just get the ball, drive the ball down the field, score that way, take time off the clock, and and complement Brent Venable's defense. And think about that for a second, okay? Un- understand why I'm saying that. Because if that doesn't excite you, that's cool. Like, that's cool if that doesn't excite you. But the whole reason that you want something like that is think about OU's defense the last half of the season, really go back to after the Oklahoma State game. You had that kind of one last hurrah against West Virginia, although West Virginia did do a good job of running the ball. But think about that that second half versus TCU, how just out of gas OU was. Brent Venables not happy at all with, with OU's defense, not in, not in any way, shape, or form. And you have to love the fact that Brent Venables – takes that personally. When his defense doesn't play well, he takes it personally because he's he's the most invested in it. He's the one that's making most of the calls. I mean, yeah, Ted Roof is D.C., but he's D.C. like Jeff Levy was the, was the O.C. at Ole Miss. Name only. You're there in name only. It's really the head coach's baby. Brent Venables understands that in order for the defense to work, you need something to complement it. And you need that offense to be tough or at least have the elements of being tough so you can practice against it. And this is what we always talk about with Lincoln Riley. When you practice, when you're a defense and you practice against the finesse offense, eventually your defense becomes finesse. It's not a tough physical defense. So you need that ele- you need those elements of physicality there if for no other reason to help your defense get better every single week. Brent Venables knows this. Will he go out and will he hire that guy? Probably not because most of the guys that you're looking at believe in a spread or if you add the word power, it's power spread, but but they're always going to look for that big they're always going to look for that big play. One name that people threw out on my radio show today, uh, which by the way, 97.1 Sports Animal Tulsa, there, shameless plug, was Dana Holgerson. Dana's interesting, but you almost have to, let, you, you actually, you don't almost, you have to let Dana operate autonomously away from the rest of the program. Not sure that that works for Brent Venables and not sure that that's really good for you, the head coach, because as a head coach, you need to be involved in all all three phases of the game, you need to be able to drop in and out of every single one of those meetings, and you need to be able to tell the offensive coordinator to do what you want during the game. 
you're not exactly calling the play, but you're telling them, hey, run the ball or hey, throw the ball or get the, or you know, have Dylan Gabriel run the ball or get the ball into Ty Wee Walker's hands or whatever the case, Dana Holgerson would not allow you to do that. It just does not seem like a fit for Brent Venables. He, honestly, Dana Holgerson is a guy who needs to go work for the opposite of Lincoln Riley, meaning he needs to go find the defensive version of Lincoln Riley, a guy that only cares about the defense so he can only care about the offense. That's the only way that Dana Holgerson succeeds. Honestly, I'm surprised, surprised that he's not the head coach at Houston. And real quick, back to Brennan Marion, uh, who may who may have a chance to get this head, may have a chance to get this OC job at OU. Uh, as good as a head coaching job as San Diego State can be, as good of as a job Houston or UTEP or Oregon State can be, the Oklahoma offensive coordinator job is is a much better job than the UTEP head coaching job or the Houston head coaching job or the San Diego State head coaching job. Because if you come to OU and your offensive coordinator, it's it's been proven for the most part that you're going to be able to get a better head coaching job than any of those. And I'm not saying he's the guy you should hire because I don't necessarily believe in hiring the hot commodity because the hot commodity cannot be a fit for your program. Doesn't mean that he's good. It just means that he's not a fit for your program. And if you hire him and things go bad, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad for the head coach as well. Now, granted, Chuck Long did have the OC job at OU, and he took the head coaching job at San Diego State. Maybe he should have waited, but I think we've seen with Levy, with Mangino, um, with a guy like Kevin Wilson, you can get a better head coaching job than the ones that are knocking on your door if you just come to OU and have success as an offensive coordinator. But uh, you know, whichever way OU goes, We'll all be excited until we until we see how that offense starts to crank. And speaking of how that offense starts to crank, the thing that was most important about this year was OU getting ready for the Southeastern Conference. The the ten ten and two is great. Now, granted, ten and two is great. It's a great turnaround that, that Brent Venables had. It's a nasty ten and two because OU certainly was good enough to play for the Big Twelve Championship and should be playing for the Big 12 championship. Not that we should feel sorry for Oklahoma because, hey, they blew it. They blew it. Cho- losing those games to, to both Kansas and Oklahoma State, two teams you should have beaten, you blew it. So you can't feel sorry for them, but they were good enough to play in the Big 12 championship. But what does that mean ultimately? If you take OU schedule next year, the 2024 schedule, Okay, and and you say that they were playing it now. How many games would they have actually won with the current team that they have now? Would they have beaten Temple? Sure. We'll give them a win at Temple. Will we give them a win at Houston? Yeah, because Houston was not very good at all. And Houston proved even if they could get a lead, they probably wouldn't hang on to it. So we'll give them a win. Tulane would have been tough. Tulane would have been a very tough game for for Oklahoma. That's a good football team playing again in the in the AAC championship against Southern Methodist. W- Willie Fritz has done a fantastic job, but we'll still we'll still give OU a win because no matter how good Tulane is, OU should have better OU should have better players than Tulane. So we'll give them a win. Texas, I'll count that as a win because OU beat Texas this year. So there you are right now. You're 4-0. Auburn, 
Six and six Auburn, who lost to New Mexico State, not just lost, but got embarrassed by New Mexico State, and then snatched defeat from the jaws of victory against Alabama. Yeah, I'll give you a win. So you start the year off six and zero. Okay, now granted. The schedule may not exactly turn out the way that I have it here. It's going to get changed. But you're still starting off 6-0. and LSU. We'll throw LSU in as a question mark because LSU's defense wasn't that good this year. But OU's defense, whether it was you know in the early part of the year, middle part of the year, late part of the year, you are going to have problems with Jaden Daniels. And that guy's going to end up going to New York as a Heisman finalist. So yeah, I'll give you I'll give you a question mark there. Missouri, you have to mark down as a question mark. Tigers, very good football team this year. I mean, so good. They, I mean, they pasted Arkansas on Saturday. Not that Arkansas is a good team, but Missouri's also a team that beat Florida. Not that Florida's all that good, but you won. You hung with Georgia. You very easily could have beaten Georgia. Could have beaten Georgia this year. That's how good Missouri was. That game's in Columbia. I'm going to put it down as a question mark. Because I still like to think OU's got better players than Missouri. I don't know about this year. Alabama, at best, that's a question mark. Most likely, it's a loss. But again, Alabama depends on when you would have played them. If you, if you would have got Alabama in the early part of your schedule, you might have been able to beat them this year. They got better as the year goes on. Earlier in the year, they weren't good. And I dare say that if Texas were to play Alabama again, Alabama wins that game. Yeah, Jalen Milrow isn't all that, but Alabama's still pretty physical. They can run the ball. They can play nasty defense. South Carolina, a win. Surprise, Shane Beamer still has a job. Tennessee at home, tough game, but I'll give you a win. I'm going to give them a loss. I'll give OU a loss to Ole Miss, and then obviously a win over Maine. So you're looking at about, Eight and four, seven and five, possibly this year, which would not have been good enough to get you into the twelve-team playoff. Obviously, wouldn't have been good enough to get you into the four-team playoff. Um, eight and four is something you can build off of, but far, far from what Oklahoma standards are. And you have to take into consideration that OU's defense wore down throughout the year, and there just wasn't much depth there. Of course, there's not much depth across college football. But that's something that Brent Venables will have to work on is getting depth and sustaining depth. Of course, with the transfer portal, extremely hard to do. But I think you're looking at 7-5, and 8-4 and four is probably the best they would have done under that schedule, which isn't bad. It had got you into December bowl game, but it certainly wouldn't have made any OU fans happy. Speaking of December bowl games, right now the projection, and I can't think that this won't end up this way, by CBS, by ESPN, I haven't seen – haven't seen if OU's accepted an official bowl bid yet. Haven't seen if Arizona has, but it looks like it's going to be OU and Arizona playing in the Alamo Bowl. Probably doesn't excite you all that much if you're an OU fan because two years ago, OU was in San Antonio taking on Oregon. This one doesn't even have the cachet of Bob Stoops coming back, coaching the team for a couple of weeks, everybody being supportive because Lincoln Riley just left OU for USC and people are trying to recruit Caleb Williams. No, it's just an end-of-the-year bowl game, which is obviously going to have some guys sitting out. Uh, There are going to be some dudes there that get opportunities to play that weren't playing for the rest of the season. 
But here's why you might want to go to this game. This might actually get me to go down to San Antonio once. San Antonio's fun. It's a really good city. Weather shouldn't be too bad. But one of the reasons you might want to go is next year, once the 12-team playoff starts, there's no guarantee that bowl games are going to hang around. What we're most likely going to see is the deterioration. It'll be slow, but you'll start to see the deterioration and the dismantling of the bowl system, where the only thing you have are the top 12 teams playing in a playoff, and then everybody else, your season ends, Maybe you get a few extra weeks of spring practice, like three, but the bowl games become a thing of the past. And already the players are telling you that the, that the bowl games, if you're not playing in the playoffs, you don't have a shot for the national championship. Players have already told you that these games aren't important because they're not even attending these games. They're, they're going to work on, if they're a senior or they're eligible, they're going to work on playing in the NFL or they're getting ready for the senior bowl or whatever. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. There's no there's no reason at all to get injured in what turns out to be an exhibition game. And yeah, those trophies look great in, in the case, but if you're OU, you never have to put out a single bowl trophy. All you have to put out are those national championship trophies and then your Big 12 championship trophies. trophies. And hopefully you're about to, to be able to put out some, some SEC trophies. Trophilies, by the way. Yeah, trophilies. <laughs> I'm three. What can I say? But I might go. There's something a little bit romantic about playing in this game one last time and maybe just one last go around with the bowl system altogether. This could legitimately be one of the last bowl games you ever see OU play in because you're just not going to have that opportunity anymore. But, yeah, it's it's very easy to see how the bowl games will fall apart. And I know people are saying, well, what about using them for the system? What about using them for the playoff system? You can, but it's not going to be the Alamo Bowl that you're using as part of the system. Plus, the thing about the playoffs, the beauty, the beauty of this 12-team playoff is the fact that you're going to have games on campus. And, in fact, every game should be on campus up until – you play the championship game because it gives fans better access to go to these games. And one bad thing, that one horrible, horrible thing that's been done in college basketball, and it should not be done in college football, is you're asking fans if they want to follow their team to hop all across the country to go see them in the NCAA tournament. And most people, especially now, just don't have that kind of money to spend. Don't do that to the college football playoffs. Have these at campus sites. Tell fans we don't you don't need to be spending that much money, but if you go to the championship game, then we're gonna give you the opportunity to spend the money to go to a great city and have fun, whatever. That's the way it should be done. And if it means the end of the Rose Bowl or the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl, who cares? It's in the past. College football has moved on. We said we wanted a playoff. We said we wanted a multiple team playoff. We got it. It just means other things eventually have to die because of it. That wraps up this week's show. Look, if OU announces an offensive coordinator between uh, now and just any time this week, we'll jump back back on. We'll do another quick podcast to talk about that situation. 10-2, and two, not bad. Not bad at all this year. We'll be back next week, most likely talking about the new offensive coordinator, looking ahead to the upcoming bowl game, 
and also starting to take a look at recruiting and how you was starting to shape up compared to some of its Southeastern Conference foes. That wraps up this week's show, and until next week, may God bless you and your families. The great Jackie Moon always says, everybody, love everybody. And to quote Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.